0: I started to get on my hands and knees, and at that point, the nurses were just panicking. They didn't know what to do with me because they said, she's a C-section. She's not su- She's not supposed to have a V-back. She's a C-section. And then when she apparently saw the baby turn under my pelvic bone, she came and she whispered in my ear, she said, you've got this, and you are gonna do this. You are gonna have this baby.
1: We believe that not just babies are born, mothers are born too. We're your hosts, Lara, a labor and delivery nurse and aspiring midwife, and Melissa, a mother and doula.
2: Welcome to Mother Birth, a space for thought-provoking and inspirational conversations about birth and the deep exploration of what it means to become a mother. Hey there. So you'll notice in today's episode that there's a little bit of distracting static in Lara's track. We did everything we could to get it sounding as good as possible, so please bear with us. Hi, everyone. Thanks for listening to Mother today. We've got Lara and I here, and we are interviewing a special guest today named Erica Poole. And Erica's got a crazy birth story to tell us today that's going to go really well on the heels of the last two episodes we've done on the subject of birth planning. Uh, The the gist of those has basically been to hold it with open hands, and Erica's story is going to really drive that home very well for us today. So Erica, why don't you introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about you?
0: Sure. Hi, everybody. My name is Erica, and I am from the great city of Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Um, I am a mom of two. I have a three-year-old and have an eight-month-old. In my former life, before running Red Stick Moms Blog, um, or helping to run Red Stick Moms Blog, rather, we have a pretty awesome team. I was a teacher. So, um, yeah, that's kind of... My entrance into motherhood, I decided to uh, take a break from teaching, and I wanted to be able to stay home with my little guy, and so I started working for Red Stick Moms Blog, and it was the perfect thing for me because I could connect with other moms and um, join them create a, you know, a village, this village everyone talks about. I knew I was going to need a village. And so I developed that village over time and here I am. Nice. So yeah. Well, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me guys. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Before we
2: get into your experience with, with birth and transition to sure. motherhood, sure. Uh, tell us how, how did you end up getting involved with Red Stick Mom's Blog? Was that something that you sought out or did they approach you? Yeah.
0: So funny enough, I, uh, postpartum three months, I randomly emailed the owner of the blog and said, Hey, Angela, uh, my name is Erica and I do not know what to do with myself. You know, I've been a career girl my whole life. I was in corporate America before deciding to teach. And, um, I found myself, Kind of lost, and I wanted to have something um, to kind of anchor onto that was still in the adult world, and also stay home with my son. And so I reached out to her and just asked if she, you know, if she kind of knew of any opportunities that would allow me to do that. And she just so happened to say she needed an assistant at the time. So, of course, heavily like I, I really needed to heavily think on that because I got I have a very high needs three month old who has a lot of issues we we really struggled with nursing and we um came to find out later he had a tongue tie and all these things were i was going through so it was not the greatest time for me to say yes i want to do this but at the same time i said whenever will there be a really great time mm-hmm. <laughs> you know because yeah. i lo- i was learning mom life is just you just got to keep going. And so, um, I mean, obviously it's not easy to keep going, but I said, you know what? It now is as good of a time as ever. So. Yeah.
2: That was with your, that was with your first. Right? That was with
0: my first son. Right. hmm. First time mom, three months out postpartum. And I did not know what I was getting into, but, mm-hmm. <laughs> but I said, yes, I'll dive in. Let's do it. Cool. So
2: yeah.
1: That's awesome. Yeah.
2: Well, let's, let's dive right in. I know we sure. have you have a lot to share with us today. So um, if you want to start with the story of your son, your first son's birth. Sure. uh, I know that that also went a little differently than you would have expected.
0: Absolutely. It did. Um, You know, first time mom and I was really excited to create a birth plan and to have, you know, my eye on the prize as to how this was going to play out and I was hoping to have um, a vaginal birth and uh, made plans to have an epidural because I wasn't quite sure that I could do it without an epidural. I had, you know, working um, in as being a teacher, I've come across a lot of mamas and I have always said to them, you are so amazing for doing this without an epidural. You are Mm -hmm. wonderful. I just don't know that I could do it. So we got to the hospital, and I said, oh, gosh, I'm at eight centimeters. I am dying. Please give me the epidural. So we did, and I progressed beautifully, one centimeter per hour. Um, And then finally it came to push time, and I pushed three hours. And we were, I think, every two minutes for three hours. I was able to take a little break here and there, but they were very— open to letting me, I was in a hospital. Um, I didn't have a midwife. I didn't have a doula, but I had a wonderful nursing staff and they let me decide, Mm -hmm. um, up until a certain point, of course, when they had to take over, they wanted to try to give me what I had longed for, which was a vaginal birth. And Mm so, um, at the, you know, towards the end, we realized, okay, this little guy, he's just not coming out. He's he's too big. He's getting stuck in the birth canal. Um, you know, Erica, what do you want to do? And, of course, they already kind of knew that answer as to what needed to happen, but they were, they were looking for my consent, which I really mm-hmm. appreciated. Um, and we made the decision to go forward with a C-section. I was absolutely exhausted at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I labored 28 hours. So, uh, by that time I said, okay, I'm just ready to meet my son and let's make sure he's healthy. I'm healthy. So we did have a C-section and, uh, to be honest, I feel like I could walk away from that and be grateful because by golly, I tried my best, you know, Yeah, yeah, I sure did. And I did not have any regrets about it. Of course, I wanted to have a vaginal birth, but at the same time, I knew I tried my best. So I was very happy with the outcome. I know that sounds kind of off the wall, but I was happy that everybody was healthy and um, we were all good. And lo and behold, he was stuck in the birth canal. The doctor had to pull him out really hard. Hmm. So we definitely made the right decision with that.
2: Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Well, and your perspective is is great because you're right that at the end of the day, what this is about is 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 a healthy baby and a healthy right. mom. And of course there, there's so many other factors and so many other things that we want and wish for and that are important to us. Right. And sometimes at the end of the day, those have to be become secondary.
0: Right. Absolutely. Um, yeah. it, it didn't, it had to change from, okay, what Erica wants because she wants this vaginal birth to, okay, you know what? This baby has been in this birth canal for three hours and it's, it's time. I probably should have, have maybe said something sooner, but you know, I felt comfortable. The nurses were right there. My husband was right there coaching me. So we went as far as we could go. So Yeah, I want to
1: ask like how did he feel about kind of that shift or that process like you said you came in everything was kind of going as planned right, right you got your epidural you probably got comfortable you guys got a little bit of rest whatever that right. was like in those moments <laughs> everybody then, else did
0: I was yeah. awake staring at
1: them yeah. going how can you sleep <laughs> yeah, the baby's coming I think that's very there are many women alongside you in that and as a labor and delivery nurse I'm always like okay this is the time you need right. rest and they're like okay <laughs> they I'm said those... "My baby <laughs> exactly exactly How did he kind of transition? You know, he was there with you for those three hours, pushing, 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 knowing what you wanted. How did did you guys kind of have that conversation?
0: He was super supportive. Um, He looked at me and he said, are you okay with this? Are you okay? We've, you know, we've gotten this far. Are you okay with this? I said, absolutely. You know, everyone was really respectful of what I um, was feeling in the moment so i felt like because i had that good support system of my nurses and my doctor being cognizant that hey, she's a person and you know, we're not just going to rush her out of here um without actually making sure she's okay. Regardless, we all know this is what needs to happen, but everyone was really loving and mm-hmm. supportive, and i think that really made all the difference for me as to how i walked away from it, you know, because i have a lot of friends and family that that didn't necessarily feel supported and feel loved and feel heard. So mm-hmm. I was really grateful for that. Yeah. Yeah. So I know from your story that
2: before you ever had either of your children, that you'd had some back problems, and that that would had had maybe you were concerned that that would be an issue during your pregnancy, but it wasn't with your first. You want to kind of fill us in on those details before sure. we move to the next part of your your sure. story.
0: Sure. Yes, I had a sports injury when I was 16 years old. Um, I was knocked down playing basketball, and Lord knows if you would have seen me as a basketball player, you would have said she has no business <laughs> playing basketball. <laughs> I was so terrible, you guys. I was so bad, and a go figure. This horrible, you know, I was so terrible. This 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 game would end up changing my life forever, and I ruptured my spine. And so within a week, I was on the operating table. And of course, I was 16 years old. But all I can remember, I always knew I longed to be a mom. Okay, I didn't want to be a teen mom, necessarily. Mm. My mom was a teen mom. But I did remember asking, will I be able to have children? Can I carry a baby? I mean, I Mm. remember asking this at 16 years old. Yeah. And then uh 8 years later, as it happens with some spinal injuries, the disc above that ruptured and so I had to have another surgery. So when it well, came to while you were
2: pregnant, you had another Oh surgery? no, this
0: was um this was several years before I got pregnant. Okay. So we were married for 6 years before we conceived our first. And um we uh had gone through the second surgery and I was healed and I got to a good place. And, you know, the doctor had said, my neurosurgeon had said, okay, you know, if you um, ever decide to have a baby, you're going to really need to be careful with your pushing Hmm. and go figure. I pushed it to the limit (laughs) with the first. And when, after I had Cullen, um, who is my first, I was told I had slipped one of my discs. So the neurosurgeon said to me, okay, for your second baby, I do not recommend that you try for a V-back because you are in no condition to have a V-back. He said, you know, chances are, my my first baby was almost nine pounds. He said, chances are you're going to have another big baby and you don't need to be pushing a baby out that's over eight pounds. Mm -hmm. So I walked out that that day kind of bummed thinking, well, gosh, you know, I really wanted to, um, I don't know if it was a redeem thing or just... You know, I said, "Gosh, I really wanted to v back. I wanted to try, you know." And uh, but I knew that if I wanted to be a healthy mama and be able to play on the floor with my kids, that maybe I shouldn't. You know, I Mm -hmm. should listen to him. So that's where that's where we decided um, from the get go that it was going to be a a second C section. Mm. So, yeah, and. And you, and
2: this happened, like, your neurosurgeon, this was kind of shortly after the birth of your first son, so you kind of knew that for, you know, the duration between your right. births. Is that true?
0: It was about a year afterwards, um, because okay. I was having some pain, and I said, well, let me go in and check on this and get the x-rays done and the MRI done, and it was a year later, so I did have, after that, a year to think about it before I, you know, uh, was able to get pregnant again. Yeah. So... Okay. Yeah, and that was, I have to say, a tough pill to swallow because I really, um, you know, after the first, I said, okay, well, I can back. I can try for the next yeah. baby. And so um, having to accept that I could not and it was not recommended, I had to go with that.
2: So I'm curious, you mentioned, you know, being disappointed. What was it that you felt allowed you to accept that that was going to be how it needed to happen the next time?
0: Sure. Well, I definitely, um, this is another thing of putting the children first in that instance, because I know that they need a healthy mom and they need a mom that can be able to carry them and, Mm -hmm. you know, get on the floor and play with them, pick them up if they need it. And if I were to jeopardize that by wanting to have that exact birth experience, you know, without thinking about what could happen after I think that's what allowed me to accept that, you know what, this is the best thing. The best case scenario is for us to go with this. I did the C-section already. I know what to expect. I've, you know, gone through that um, healing process. I can do this again. And I think after you've had a back surgery, I tell a lot of friends, you know, yes, a C-section is painful. It is not a cakewalk at all. But I think after you've had a spinal surgery like I did, the pain is not as new to you. So um, I think my recovery was a little bit easier because I kind of, I kind of already knew what that really bad pain was. Mm-hmm. So that's what um, made me accept that, you know, I can do this again. I can do it again.
1: Yeah, yeah. and I think that I want to just acknowledge something really important you said. Which sure. is I think there are a lot of reasons that people feel that they are either kind of co- maybe, you know, these are all negative words, coerced or talked into or talked right. down from right. having either VBAC or, or needing to have a C-section in the first place. And I think that can come from a mindset again, where you where there is some, you know, there are places in the, this country and other countries where people are bullied into decisions they don't want to make. Oh yeah, absolutely. But I do see that that transition has to happen when if you do have a medical condition so in your case you had a medical condition or a medical necessity that means you need to have cesarean birth and i think that when women can make that transition that you said where you said if i don't choose this then i might not get to be the mom, the kind of mom I want to be.
0: Right. Right. And I think that
1: that's really important. And I think I see that more, you know, in my practice with people who are having, you know, blood sugar, blood pressure issues in pregnancy oh, and they sure. feel fine, but you know, the, the data they're being told, they're being told, like, I know that you feel fine, but this medical condition is very serious and I need you right. to hear me. And right. I think it's really important. It always goes back to what we talk about finding someone you, you trust, you know, whether that was you trusting your back surgeon or also trusting right. your OB right, who was saying, right you know, we, we, we're sorry. And we know that this will be hard for you not to have this experience you want. Right. However, we also know, like, we, exactly. we, we know you, we know w- what's going on with your body. And we're saying, this is what we recommend. Right. And I think that transition is really powerful for you as a mom, because you're going to have to make those kinds of decisions forever. Right. Yeah. Right. Like how right. many, how many similar decisions have you made where it's like, I'm going to make this decision because it's what's best for me and my kids.
0: Right, exactly. Yeah, for my family.
1: Yeah, mm-hmm.
0: exactly. And and as a whole, and you know, when I went to the neurosurgeon, I took that information and I, I'm all about like team support. I'm really huge on that. I feel like we all um, need to be in on it. Mm-hmm. And so I, wa- I went to my OB and I told her, so this is what he said. This is the information I have. Let's talk about it. And she was completely open to talking about it and giving the what ifs and the you know, all of that good stuff to be able to have that conversation. Because I feel like you're right, the bullying and the being talked down to and all of that, like that is so incredibly demoralizing. Mm-hmm. And I'm just grateful that I was able to have a conversation. It made me feel like I was a little bit more in control of something that I maybe wasn't really in control of, you know?
2: Right. right. Mm-hmm. Made you feel empowered, like you had, Definitely. like you were participating in the process as opposed to it just happening to you, exactly. even though, like you said, you're, you're not actually in control. This isn't something that you get to dictate how it goes, right. but you right. do get to participate in the conversation. You do you do get to participate in in how things unfold. Absolutely.
0: I would definitely agree with that.
2: Yeah. So you're able to kind of wrap your brain around that this is how things are going to go the next time. And then you your next child was born just a couple of years later, right? Right, two and a half, almost exactly. Nice. So you get pregnant, you're you're prepared for the C-section and did you have any back issues or back pain during that pregnancy?
0: No, actually, I was just really careful, and I was still picking up a -a two-and-a-half-year-old, so I was, you know, really watching how I would pick him up and um, just being very careful about my weight gain, um, you know, so that way I could, um, the more weight that I would have on me, the harder it would have been on my back, so I was just being cognizant of those things and trying to limit any, you know, anything um, that would hurt my back worse, so. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that would add to. right
2: the risk that you but were But it was all facing. smooth.
0: It was smooth sailing. It really was. And then tell us about your birth.
2: This is where it's going to get crazy. This
0: is where it's going to get exciting. So I remember <laughs> thinking, oh, this is going to be great. You know, I know there are a lot of negative sides to, um, you know, the the experiences of women with C-sections, but I said, you know, let's focus on the positives. I can have my bag fully packed. I'll know when I'm going in. I'll have the day planned. You know, I have a toddler who needs a sitter. I will have everything under control because Mm -hmm. I'll have it planned. And the teacher in me loves that. I'm like, oh, this is going to be fine. You know, we'll have, we'll have um, an idea of what's going on. Well, I want to say, let's see, it was 545 in the morning on October 18th. And I was laying in bed. I'd probably had the best sleep I'd had (laughs) my entire pregnancy. Mm -hmm. And uh, the night before, I had met my doula. She came over and she talked to me. And we talked about um, what to expect with the C-section. And I will say that I did not have a doula the first time. Mm -hmm. But this time, I really wanted to have a support person in there so that there would be a liaison between my husband and i and the nurses because last time tyler my husband was just kind of all over the place and i really wanted him to be able to just focus on the baby and i and the experience and you know we'll let my doula be the the in between and the support when i need it if my husband is with the baby so mm-hmm. that was already a pr- a planned thing to have the doula. And she offered the C-section service, which I thought was fabulous. Mm-hmm. And she also happened to be a birth photographer with Shabebe Birth uh, Stories. Mm-hmm. So it was like two for one. You know, this is great. She can do the photographs and then she can also be there. So by 45 a.m. October 18th, I'm laying in bed, had a wonderful night's sleep, and my water broke. And I... Just felt this gush of water and I said, I think this is what I think it is, <laughs> you know. <laughs> I think this might I think this means my water broke. So I woke up my husband and I said, You know, I know a lot of women Um, have their water break. And my first, with my first baby, it did not. So I said, but you know, I've seen this happen and it can take a long time for labor to progress. So we'll just stay home. And, um, I have a list of groceries you can go get at the store. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I said, you know, we have to obviously go to the hospital, but we're going to need to get some groceries because now we have to have a sitter come. And we, um, Yeah. yeah, so he went to the grocery and 20 minutes later I had, um, I was jumping in the shower, you know, taking my time. My bag was not fully packed. And I all of a sudden started to have contractions about three minutes apart. Mm. So I called him and I said, I think you need to get back here like right now. (laughs) So we were waiting for our sitter to come and she came. And then as we were talking to her, my contractions started to get more intense. And I started to feel like I had to use the bathroom and This was not something I'd ever felt before. So I text messaged my doula and I said, "Um, I think I have to use the bathroom. And she's like, you need to get to the hospital right now. (laughs) Smart smart girl. (laughs) She said, I don't know what you're doing at home, but you need to leave. So Mm -hmm. we get there and I am barely able to walk into the doors because I'm already feeling the need to push. And in my head, I'm going... This can't be happening because I'm a C-section and this, you know, I'm going to get in there and we're going to get the C-section going. This this can't be happening. Mm-hmm. So we walk in there into the assessment center and I think I was eight centimeters. Wow. And, and you're 38 weeks? I was 38 weeks on the mark. Wow. Right. So I uh, was brought back to the uh, little waiting area. And in that waiting area, I started to you know, just kind of follow nature because I have read so many stories about this, but I did not study it for myself. I didn't study Mm -hmm. what do you do in natural labor? How are you supposed to breathe? How are you supposed to position your body? I didn't read or study those things for myself because I didn't think I needed to. Mm -hmm. But I did start to instinctually take my clothes off um, I started to get on my hands and knees and at that point the nurses were just panicking they didn't know what to do with me because they said she's a c-section yeah. <laughs> she's not su- she's not supposed to have a V-back she's a c-section and I'm on the the bed and I am grasping for dear life um, from my husband and I'm like I don't know what is going on here but I feel like I'm dying and the the girls told me, "Okay, we are going to roll you into the OR and we need you to be really still." Mm-hmm. And I didn't he- I was like, "Still? <laughs> no <laughs> like, way. Yeah. I can't be still." So, uh my husband got in his scrubs and and I'm I'm so confused because I'm in so much pain, but at the same time I'm thinking, "Why are he and my doula in scrubs?" I, you know, I guess I am having a C-section. So, yeah they rolled me into the OR and we had bright lights everyone was masked up had their hair you know pulled back in their little um their little hair protector and but i said i'm getting on my hands and knees again and i'm just going to do what my body's telling me to do and it felt like i was in the middle of a forest and i didn't even hear a whole lot of what was going on around me i just knew i had to focus mm-hmm. and so that I did hear the anesthesiologist come in, because I, I did keep asking for an epidural. I said, can I have the epidural? When am I going to get the epidural? <laughs> he came in and he Very said, normal <laughs> he said, he looked at me and he said, she is not getting an epidural. Uh, I'm on to my next patient. And I just mm. remember thinking, what? Did he just say that? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> you know, I guess I'm not getting an epidural. So my doctor was actually on call at the time. She was at the hospital, and she went, she came in ready to go. And from what other people are telling me, from my husband and my doula, she had a worried look on her face, and she didn't know how this was going to go. And then when she apparently saw the baby turn under my pelvic bone is when she stood up. She gave my husband a thumbs up, and I'll never forget this part. She came up to me and she whispered in my ear, and I love this woman, Doctor Chauvin. I love her so much. She came and she whispered in my ear. She said, "You've got this, and you are gonna do this. You are mm. gonna have this baby." And that just gave she, me shivers. <laughs> <laughs> I get shivers every time. And when she said that, I just in my head I said, "Game on!" And mm. I am gonna push with all my might. And so on my hands and knees, I just. Every time there was a contraction, I wasn't even listening to them tell me what to do. I was just following my body, and I was just bearing down and pushing and following what nature was telling me to do. And I think 10 minutes later, I pushed a baby out, and I felt that ring of fire, ladies, that everyone <laughs> talks about. And I knew when I felt that, I said, okay, he's almost out. He's almost yeah. out because I've read about this. <laughs> so
2: Yeah, this is, this is the moment.
0: This is the moment. So you just bear down with all your might, and you just give it all you've got, and you and you go, and that's what I did.
2: So how was your husband reacting to this? Yeah, obviously oh my shocking goodness. change
0: of. He was <laughs> as cool as a cucumber. You guys, I don't know how I was ripping his scrubs off of him. Um, there were pictures of me ripping his scrubs off because, you know, but he stood strong. And he held me and he just kept coaching me and telling, we did not prepare for this. So the fact that he could just come and just rise up and do what he needed to do was amazing. My doula was taking pictures and video. She was rubbing Young Living Essential Oils all over me. <laughs>
2: mm-hmm.
0: And uh, she was rubbing stress away, which now I'm a person that associates a scent with something. And so whenever I wear sure. stress away, just it, I just, I love it. It, it brings me good memory. Mm -hmm. so um yeah that's he was wonderful I really have to say I just want to
2: talk a little bit about the fact that you had a doula and I'd love to hear more about just how you felt about having her there after you ended up with that experience but I think it's so good to acknowledge that doulas are not just for the people that are planning to have you know an unmedicated birth and want to like attend at the hospital. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's, it's really like, I think we think of doulas as, you know, this, this person that is there to help you cope with the pain of labor. And certainly that is part of, you know, Adula's job. But so much more than that, they're there to provide emotional support. They're Mm -hmm. there to provide advocacy if that's needed. They're there to be a liaison, like you talked about, between the different people involved. They're Mm -hmm. there to, like, they're there to help provide support to your partner who may not know, like, what does she need right now? You know, I'm, I'm, I really, I'm all here. I'm all in. But, like, does she need me to rub her back? Does she Mm -hmm. need me to, you know, -hmm. does she need me to, like, a glass of water. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, Like what, what does she need? And that's so much what the doula is there for. And in your case, you know, it ended up being completely different than you anticipated, but even in the case of a C-section and I love when doulas provide that service because you still need that support. You still need someone there to tell you like, this is, this right now is like a very intense and sometimes scary moment. Right. And, and you like, you got this. And having that support afterwards, you know, um, I think in some ways, when you have a C-section, you need that even more, you know, you need, you need like even more of that, that presence of like, everything is okay. Like, you know, let's,
0: let's, let's get you bonding with this baby. Right. Exactly. And she walked us through the night before that, the night before my water broke, she walked us through what I could expect going in for a, planned C-section. I had mm-hmm. no idea that I could play music in the OR. I didn't know that I could have a clear, if I chose to have a clear, um, uh, you know, uh, screen or mm-hmm. not screen, but the covering that they use. Cl- clear drape. The yeah. drape. She said I could have that. Um, there were some other things she had mentioned that had I not had Rachel, who is in my opinion, priceless for me to have, I wouldn't have even known that. Um, so I thought it was amazing. And then the day of the birth, she was also in my ear saying, you know, you are not your pain and you're going to get through this. You can do this. And then she showed my husband some techniques that she used. And she, she also used on me where she would push the back of my hips together when Mm -hmm. I would contract. And that was amazing. Um, It allowed me to have a little break. So I just, I mean, that was invaluable having a doula um, be there. And I imagine I would have been just as grateful for her in the C-section too. Mm -hmm. Oh, absolutely. So for sure.
2: What changed between your first birth and your second that you knew you wanted to have a doula there?
0: Well, I think when I had my first, I was really, um, you know, I was scared And I didn't know the procedures that happened in the OR, and my husband didn't either, and he was kind of distracted. So they were taking him to the side to tell him this, tell him that. And I said, you know, if we had someone that could be there to kind of tell us what was happening, but still allow him to stay in the moment with Mm -hmm. me and the baby, then that would be wonderful. Um, and neither of, neither one of us had our mothers in there. And so, um, that was just something that we really, we really wanted to have that was different.
2: Yeah. I think that's another great highlight of what a doula does is sometimes there's that, that interpretation piece, like, you know, this is what's happening. This is what's being said. This is what this really means for you.
0: Right, right, right. And telling us all the things that the doctors were talking about, and this, um, the second time around, I also something I didn't do before was I did placenta encapsulation, mm-hmm. and she also saved my cord. And I have to say, ladies, I had a really pretty cord. <laughs> um, she did. She did save that for me, and she even did um, placenta art, which I know is interesting, but it was actually quite beautiful. Where she used a dye and she made a piece of art for me and um, it was really sweet. So I was really glad to have her. And then she checked on me in the days after having the baby. She brought us a meal and um, it's really, really lovely.
1: Do you feel like that's something that's popular where you live using a doula?
0: We do have, we do have a lot of services. Um, I don't think that it's necessarily mainstream, if mm-hmm. you will, but mm-hmm. I do feel like that more people are seeing the value in it, and um, especially Rachel, my doula, was really just passionate about this. She's passionate about birth and that sort of thing. In my first go round, I didn't know anything about this, mm-hmm. so I don't know if it just takes you know, um, more experience in this to know, or maybe have a friend who's done it before to educate yourself about it. But for me, I wish I would have known.
1: Yeah. yeah I was just kind of wonder about that. Cause I, you know, we, we, I just recently moved back to Texas as we've talked about on the show, Right, right. but I've lived in Portland for about 14 years. And right. so it's definitely interesting, like in different areas of the country where things kind of have more popularity, I would say, oh, yeah. obviously in Oregon, not only are like doulas or midwives or any kind of natural friendly birth practices right. are very popular, but also, you know, placenta encapsulation. Right. Right. And so I was just kind of curious, is that something that you found through your work with, um, yeah, blog I, and kind of meeting moms?
0: It is. I got to be more educated about it and I had a few friends that had done it. And we also have a birth center here, um, where moms can go, um, if they would, um, like to have a different type of setting for their birth, and we also have a hospital that offers just midwifery. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So I think just educating myself of all of my options, I'm really grateful that there were those options available to seize if I wanted them. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I guess you could say our area is really up and coming in that, and I can re- be really proud of that. Yeah,
2: that's great. Yeah, yeah. and you can, and you can also be through what you do, part of helping that to grow. I mean, right. I think that it's stuff like this is like, it's more word of mouth than anything. Oh, like yeah. people say yes to having a doula because their friend told them how incredible it was to have a doula. Right. That's that's why. I mean, right. sure, maybe you also read about it on a blog somewhere or, you know, happened to watch the business of being born. But like, right, really, right. that's what that's what pushes people, you know, to that point of actually making a decision about doing oh, yeah. something like that is that they have that personal um recommendation or that that personal like it, you know it's not a guarantee but it, it really sort of it puts it in this different category that like oh this might actually be something that I would benefit from and I think a lot of people when they think about having a baby and they think about being in labor you know it kind of it can trigger this desire for privacy and for you know right. solitude and that is a can be a really important thing for many women to to feel that undisturbed quality of labor right, right. and and so you know they think well why would we invite someone else into that setting and and right. particularly if if a doula is someone that they may not already know like why would we invite someone that is a stranger you know right, right. and and ultimately a doula d- becomes not a stranger through the process of prenatal care and all of that right, but it's still right. someone extra that you're inviting into that space and i think right. that that can be intimidating for some women. So it's oh, not, yeah. you know, it's often until not until you hear from a close friend or a family member that like this this completely altered the experience for me. It did. That mm-hmm. people open their eyes to it.
0: It did. And you know what's really cool too about having a doula is that most of the doulas that you meet, they will automatically tell you that their place in a birth is to be in the background, sure. and that your, you know, um, your uh, care and your baby's care. And you know your spouse is what's on the forefront, and so they truly are support. And I think, mm-hmm. like you said, over the t- over the time of the prenatal care, um, you build a relationship with this person. You can actually ask those TMI questions that you you know mm-hmm. may not ask just anyone. You definitely yeah. might not ask your mom these yeah. types of questions. Yeah,
2: there's there's quite a bit of discharge talk.
0: <laughs> right, exactly. So it was like, oh my gosh, I can I can text Rachel about what this stuff is, you know. Yeah. So it was awesome. I I definitely would one hundred percent recommend that for sure. Yeah. So you your water broke around
2: five forty five a.m. and what time was your son born?
0: He was born at eight fifty eight a.m. Wow. So I had no idea that my second labor could go that fast, considering how long I labored with the first.
2: Well, yeah, you so, had a long labor and you pushed for a long time. Right. So, I mean, not only were you planning for a C-section, but I'm sure that even if you had been planning for a V-back, you would have been expecting it to be, you know, lengthier than that.
0: Oh, sure. Yeah. I would have had to, you know, mentally prepare, like, to stay the course and to, you know, power through hours, possibly, of laboring. And mm-hmm. that... This was, that's why this was so unexpected because it happened the way it did, but it happened so fast that I didn't even get to consider the idea of laboring for hours. It was just like, oh, you have no time. You need to put your game face on and do the best you can do. And that's what, these are the cards you're dealt. So rise to the occasion, you know. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah,
1: but it's, yeah, it's difficult to kind of. You know, in your first, and just reflecting on what you've shared, it's like sure. in your first story, you obviously felt things were going to go a certain way. Right. And prepared mostly for that. And then right. we're able to adjust. <laughs> and then, then you're like, okay, well, now I have even more data that's told me things are going to go a certain way. So I'm right. very, very confident this is how things are going to go. Right. And right. then, you know, and I think that that is just how, it's just birth.
0: Oh, yeah. And, you know, I used to say, uh, people would say, well, what is your birth plan? You know, what are you deciding to do? And I said, well, this is the, you know, outcome I would like. But I like to say I'm kind of on the no plan plan because Mm -hmm. I do know that just from life experience that things don't always turn out the way that you think they will. And you have to be able to, as I say, adjust your sails. You know, yeah. I think that's a big thing. Is if you can also know on the back burner that you might have to adjust those sales, but that it's going to be for the better outcome of everybody, then that's the end goal. Mm-hmm. So, yeah,
2: I think that it's you know when we've been talking about birth planning in the last couple of episodes, I think there's really this piece of like birth planning is just kind of in in a lot of ways it's really just kind of an orientation to like how how different things might
1: be right, right. you know
2: like here are the different scenarios that may occur and you know if you're considering this choice or this choice whether it's an emergency or not an emergency like here are kind of the things to be thinking about right. it's it, it really isn't so much for like this is how I plan for it to go right um, it's just it's more a tool of like considering all of the different scenarios right right So your your son's born. You guys are all in shock. You're in the OR. You're not in a regular delivery room. Right. I'm on a
0: tiny little gurney bed (laughs) that I'm really not sure how I didn't fall off of it. (laughs) So when I look back at the pictures, I do not know how I stayed on that bed, but I did. Mm -hmm. So. And did
2: you you? I know you were pushing on your hands and knees at one point. Is that how you delivered?
0: Yes, it's how I delivered. Um, It felt the best for me. Um, I felt like I was able to kind of let gravity help me a little bit. And it helped when I went to bear down, I was able to really like bear down into that little gurney bed. And um, that's how I felt most comfortable.
2: That's comfortable for a lot of women. And I wonder, too, if with your with your back condition, if that was, you know, even more advantageous for you.
0: I do wonder because, you know what, I feel great, especially after having him. I thought, oh, gosh, what, you know, did I mess anything up? But I feel great. I haven't had knock on wood. I haven't had any issues whatsoever. So that's great.
2: Had you tried pushing on hands and knees
0: with your first? No, I didn't because I had the epidural and they Mm -hmm. had me lay on my back. And when I was in labor with the second, with Brennan, I was initially told to lay on my back, but then I just kind of threw that out the window Mm -hmm. and I, I just followed my gut and just turned over on my hands and knees because on my back, I didn't feel like I had my bearings for some reason. Yeah. Um, I think I would have preferred to either have, you know, to squat. I know um, there's like a squatting bar um, in a lot mm-hmm. of the delivery um, rooms or or birth centers. Um, I think either that method or hands and knees was really probably the best way for me. Personally. Yeah, and I, f-
1: I think that that's just really proof of your intuition and, and how labor Absolutely. can, how birth can be your body, like you said, it was your body telling you what to do. And you felt like there was a million things going on around you, yet somehow you were this force in the middle of a forest just listening. And I think that, you know, I think a lot of people, those are the kind of images and the kind of mantras they want going into birth. And it's just, it's really beautiful and powerful to me that you, that just kind of overcame you. It wasn't something that you had practiced or right. that, like you said, I didn't prepare myself to <laughs> no. have to cope with any part of labor, much less no, delivering. I did not, right? But it's just a tell of how powerful a woman's body is. and That's
0: true. That's very true. And
1: I have to say, you know,
0: when I first had Cullen three years ago, I I felt empowered in a certain way after I had the C-section because I felt like you know what, I did this, and I. Um I'm going to be okay and you know this is painful but um but I had this baby and I'm proud of myself and then for this time I felt a different sense of empowerment still empowered mm-hmm. but like and the it was like in the core of me I just I don't know I did something that I never thought I could have done and I think that's what uh was so exciting to me was that I Never would have even imagined I could have done this without an epidural and -hmm. the fact that I did it I was just really proud of myself that I that I could do it without the epidural
2: (laughs) Well, I think that you you know, what you should be proud of is obviously your body and and, you know, the strength that you were able right. to summon. But but like Laura was just talking about your intuition. I mean, that's intuition. incredible to to be in that situation and to not just be kind of paralyzed by fear. I mean, a lot right. of women who have Precipitous labor, where things go so so quickly. I mean, it can be very overwhelming for them, oh, yeah. and you know, let alone that you weren't even planning to, you know, to be in labor. <laughs> right. Um. You know, to be able to respond that way to that situation and to just let your body take over and do its work—that's oh, yeah. incredibly responsive yeah. to your intuition. And I think that that, you know, I'd love to hear a little bit about how, you know, how you see that sort of transcend your experience as a mother and how it serves you as a mother.
0: I think the um. I definitely think the bonding if this is if this sounds silly I'm sorry but it's true but I think the bonding with nature um mm-hmm. that kind of um marrying of the two things of my intuition and birthing this baby and not having known a thing about how to do that mm-hmm. um it grounded me and it made me feel metaphorically like I could be a little bit more one with the earth like I you know I'm talking metaphorically here because you know when I'm day to day I'm taking care of my children there are times when I'm like I'm failing at this so bad you know mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm failing at this motherhood thing so bad but then I realize that there's no greater love my kids can have you know they have a strong mom their mom is you know gonna do anything for them that she can, even if that means being on her hands and knees on a gurney, (laughs) you know, um, Mm -hmm. it kind of grounded me and made me me feel like, you know what, you're a lot stronger of a woman than you ever thought you were. And that's not just physical, that's mental. Because I think even if I were to not have had a V-back and I would have had a C-section, like the mental strength that I got from saying, you know what, you accomplished this and you should be proud of yourself, I think comes from years of teaching myself that you know, affirmations are such a good thing. And, and, and speaking love to yourself because I'm able to speak love to my children because I'm able to speak love to myself, if that makes mm. sense, you know? Absolutely. So um, it just kind of gave me a really good platform to continue that with my kids and to say, you know what? Mommy thinks you can do anything you want to do, anything you put your mind to, and I'll be right here to catch you when you fall, and I'll be right here to support you, you know. Um, so hope I didn't ramble too much there, but that's kind of how I feel about it. Just feel really grounded and proud, and yeah, just a lot a lot more um, proud of myself than I've ever been in anything, so.
1: No, I yeah. think there's so much beautiful in, in what you just said. I think that we can very much ascribe feelings just to experiences or circumstances. So one thing I think I really love about you sharing your story is you've had very different experiences and various different circumstances right. that both made you feel very strong.
0: Right. In and, different ways. Yeah. In totally. Different it's ways. like it affected, it affected different parts of my structure,
1: you know? Mm. Mm-hmm. And I think so. that that is all, all about that early transition to motherhood. That's what it's about is finding right. it's, it's never going to be like anyone else's experience. Right. It's never going to go the way you think it's going to go or the way it went for someone else. It's only your journey and it's only your sharpening. Right. So you're the, you're right. the one who's being built by this experience. That's right. And so it's so important to take that and then speak that truth into yourself. And something I've been thinking about, too, um, is speaking that into your kids. It would be really easy for you to make polarizing stories to your boys and say, oh, well, you know, this labor was so hard and it ended in surgery and it was so difficult and not what we thought. And yours was just so easy. You fell all the way out. Like, I mean, and and those are not the stories at all. Those are obviously gross, like reduction things. But I think people do that with their kids. Like, oh, yeah. uh, And I, you know, I think. They are lucky to have a mom who's found the beauty in both things. Thank you. Who's sharing that? I with never other thought about too. it
0: that way. Actually, thank you for bringing that perspective because mm. I didn't even think of that. But you're right. I, I the way I feel on the whole is like you know what? I worked really hard to get both of you guys here. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, That's so beautiful. Yep. Equally hard to get both of you here. And when I look at my kids playing, I just I feel a sense of just pride in that because I know I worked really hard. And you mm-hmm. both came here so differently, but I'm so glad you're here. Mm-hmm. You yeah. know.
2: Yeah, and and like we've been talking about on the show, like birth is is just the beginning. And if you can if you can have that perspective about their births and right. how different they were, you can also bring that to to how you mother them because right. your children are going to be so different from each other as well. And it's right. very easy to compare our kids. You oh, know, yeah. it's very easy to compare our experience of mothering them. It's easy to compare them as individuals and their personalities. Right. And and if you're, you know, we're, and we're never going to be able to like n- n- just completely Never do that, but right, right, you know, we're the,
0: human, the, right, mhm,
2: right, but the more we're able to kind of rise above those comparisons, like that is i think I think it's also so so helpful for our kids because they just they pick up on that stuff, oh yeah, mm-hmm.
0: they definitely do, yeah, right. I was just gonna say, I remember how, as a child, I had a really rough childhood, and um, I remember how um speaking words affected me and, you know, speaking words of love versus speaking words of anger or hate or, Mm. you know, that sort of thing. And so I think that cognitively it's taken a lot for me to also train my brain, you know, to, you know, hug that little girl that I once was, but for also, also for her to know that you don't have to parent that way. You don't have to be that way. And you know what it takes to make now, I credit my teachers, I credit other people that were around me that kind of filled my cup of love. And if I keep my cup of love filled in different ways, whether that's, you know, something doing self-care for myself, I can pour that okay. love into my kids. Yeah. So, yeah.
2: Yeah, and we do have to fill our own cups, otherwise right. we don't have anything to give.
0: To give, right, I agree. Yeah.
2: Definitely. Well, thank you so much for sharing your story. I think it's going to be a lot of, I think it's going to be very inspirational for our listeners, but also kind of fun for them because your story is just so, so special and exciting.
0: Thank you. (laughs) Is there,
2: is there anything you want to share with our listeners about your perspective or anything, any projects that you're working on that you'd like to share?
0: Well, I think the one thing that I just would want people to know, and of course, you know, I would never take the route of bragging about this, and I hope no one certainly sees it that way. It's just, I think in regards to birth in general, just know that you're so much stronger than you think you are. Whether it's your birth ends in a C-section or you labor for hours and hours and you feel like you're not getting anywhere, you have to keep yourself afloat with, you know, positive affirmations to yourself and know that you are doing the very best you can do in any given situation any given circumstance um so i would just love to extend that to your listeners and and them know that um these things are not above you and um with what you're given much great can come from it Mm -hmm. uh no matter what it is Mm -hmm. um And, uh, you know, otherwise, I am just hanging out here in Baton Rouge, helping to run Red Stick Mom's blog and being a mom. So that that's my main project.
2: All right. cool well we'll share so, we'll share a link to the red stick mom's blog well, thank and you um i think that we'll also share a link to your doula and photographer's information sure. Uh, sure. for anybody that's listening down in that area that would be interested in getting in touch with her so sure um we'll make sure to share that in the show notes on the blog and we are so glad that you were here to, thank with you. Us today thanks thank you for so having much. me
0: thanks for having me y'all have a great day you too
1: thanks for listening to mother birth today if you want to be a bigger part of our community, you can follow us on Instagram at motherbirth.co or connect with us on Facebook, where we have all kinds of
2: behind-the-scenes stuff going on. Also, don't forget to subscribe to the show and rate us on iTunes, which
1: allows other people to find us and helps the show to grow. I think it goes without saying, but Mother Birth is a personal podcast created by Laura Lisa. Melissa. It's intended as general information. doesn't constitute or substitute medical advice of any kind. You should always consult with your primary care provider with respect to your medical care. If you're pregnant planning on becoming pregnant or the postpartum period.